Welcome, everybody, to the Finding Hermes podcast. I hope you're ready to walk through those doors with the God of the mind, lay your cards on the table, and finally find out who you are, because who you truly are is just amazing. And with us, we have the pleasure of being joined today by Dr. Drayvon James. How are you? And thank you very much for coming on the show, Drayvon. Well, I'm great, and thank you for having me. I'm excited for our time together today. Pleasure is all mine, and I'm sure even I said my cats will be listening. Maybe they'll get something out of it, too, but they are cats. Uh, so why don't we start a little bit about yourself? Tell us uh, your story, or specifically when you decided to uh, take that task of uh, bringing more light into the world and helping other people out. Oh, I love telling this story because I didn't know where I was going or what I was doing. <laughs> but when I was 17 years old, gosh, it feels like a whole lifetime ago, I graduated from high school. I was on my way to college to study pharmacy. And my brother gave me a little book, The Power of Positive Thinking by Norman Vincent Peale. Mm. And it's a tiny little book. Uh, I'm 17. You know, who, who at 17 is even that serious, you know? But I read that book and it something clicked in my head. And I must have read it over 20 times that summer before I left to go to college. And I knew when I read that book the first time that whatever he had done for me, I wanted to do for other people. This sense of knowing inside of me that I was creating my life. It wasn't just happening to me. I was a co-creator in, in things. And it really did start with my internal viewpoint of things. So I didn't have all those words back then. I always make people laugh when I say this. When I read that book at 17, what I thought I had discovered and what I wanted to share with the world was how to have no problems ever in your life. I was wrong about that. I didn't discover that. <laughs> but what I discovered was how to use everything, like alchemy, right? How to use everything that shows up in your life to turn around and use it to help you create like a pathway. A, uh, I call my, my books the Stepping Stone series, a stepping stone to what you want in life. So everything I believe is designed to bow down and serve you so you can consciously create the life that you want. So I didn't have those la that language back at 17, but over the years, I realized that's what I was really discovering. That's what I was really studying. And so many, many years went on. I got my pharmacy degree. I got my doctorate degree. And I was, happened to be teaching, lecturing about pharmacy things. And I got the courage. I do not know how, but I got the courage to at the end of all of my lectures to doctors and nurses and long-term care owners to start doing what I call an everyday peace moment. When I would just start sharing things about how to change your life, how to, how to heal your wounds and all this stuff. And, and I thought, well, it's five minutes. I'll see how it goes. And then one day someone called me and said, hey, we want you to be a keynote speaker. I was like, okay, cool. I do that a lot. And I thought it was going to be a drug there. But they said, don't talk about any drugs. Just come in here and do that everyday peace thing that you do. And I thought, what? <laughs> it is really resonating with people. So that was my first um, really serious attempt to... Uh, try out these theories on people who I really didn't know, who really weren't seeking them out and just, you know, 
just a, a very neutral audience and it was well received and it has been since that point. I've coached, I've done a lot of speaking and people just really gravitate uh, to the message of the change is inside of you. The power to create is within you. Oh, I love it. Yes, you've definitely learned to, as uh, some have said, uh, magic is just co-creating with the universe. Uh, and it's nice. I mean, these are nice lines and everything. But uh, I think the other day, Drayvon, I was walking and I was thinking, well, what's enlightenment? And I said, maybe enlightenment is just listening, listening to your body, listening to your ancestors, listening to your soul that has a mission for you in life. Am I hot or cold in this? You are You are spot on, right? That is what a lightning is, is learning how to listen and to listen without judgment, right? Mm. Just to listen as a vehicle and say, oh, okay, right? And then when the mind, I, this is what I, what I seek all the time. <laughs> I work with my clients and when I work with myself is to have this um, alignment between my mind and my soul, my innerness, right? So when you have that tension, that anxiety, something's out of alignment, right? And I'm pulling in one direction and you know my body's pulling in another direction, but the mind is so strong. We'll probably talk about that, right? It's so strong. We overutilize it. And so sometimes it creates this misalignment and we get all the stress, but you're spot on. Learning to listen is so important and to listen without judgment. I guess that's the key because in your work, you talk about, yeah, without judgment, don't being hard on ourselves. Why do you think as human beings, we tend to be hard on ourselves for our mistakes, for the pressure of our society, for what our parents want? Why are we so hard on ourselves? Well, you know, part of it is ego, right? The ego, in, in, and I am, you'll never hear me say that we have to fight our ego. I think that's so useless, right? We've got to understand how to work in harmony, know that it exists, be aware, you know, that listening component, right? But the ego is a tool of survival, right? It, it wants to be the last one or the last man standing, <laughs> right? And so even if it has to um, beat you down and beat me down to do that, right? That's its goal. It's like a two-year-old who wants the last piece of candy, whether they need it or not, right? So it's, it's, it's um, we've been taught that criticism is the way to sustainable positive change. And it just really isn't. And it's really hard for us to get out of that mindset. We believe that we can criticize ourselves to sustainable change. We can criticize our government. We can criticize our neighbor, our spouse, or our children. We're all guilty of it. I'm, I'm no different. But when, we are, but when we're conscious, when we slip into consciousness, it's rare. We go in and out of consciousness all day long. But when we slip into consciousness, we realize that's pretty crazy. If I want something to change, if I want to change, I got to trust the messenger, right? And I trust the messenger when the messenger creates a trusting environment with love and understanding, judgment-free zone, right? That's how you get trust and that's how you let down those defenses and that's how you get sustainable change. Agreed and well said. Yeah, I think uh, sometimes we live in a society where the ego has become the villain, whether it's Alcoholics Anonymous or Zen Buddhism or New Age. It's like ego destruction. And, and you know, as the ancient said, no, 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 the ego is a very important, a strong, healthy ego <laughs> is important to navigate reality. But in your if your client says, uh, Drayvon, wait, if I'm ego, what, what else am I? What do you tell them? You mean I'm more than my ego? What am I? 
Yeah, yeah, you you are so much more than your ego. You know, I call it the I amness of you, right? You are it, right? And so the ego, the mind, the egoic mind is a, is a tool, right? It's a tool. I, I like to think of it as an, a hammer that's gone rogue, right? We wouldn't use a hammer to screw in a light bulb, but the ego believes that it can screw in the light bulb and <laughs> bust in the light bulb. So there it is, it's fixed, right? But so you are the I amness. You are the, you know, you are the, thing, the thinker that thinks the thoughts, the feeler that feels that you are that, and it's bigger than probably any words that I know, right? And just the power of knowing that I am is you, that's me, right? But whatever we put behind that I am, we become, you know, so if I am tired, if I'm stupid, if I am wonderful and I'm kind and I'm generous and I'm forgiving, whatever it is, that's who you are. You get to make that decision, right? Unfortunately, Unfortunately, we send ourselves mixed messages all day long, right? Mm -hmm. So we're like two steps forward, two steps back, find ourselves in the same spot. But a little bit of discipline and um, coaching, I tell people, you can really get yourself revved up and move right where you want to go. And you find that you're already there. It's just like um, changing the frequency on your radio dial. Great. Yeah. So your work is basically helping them listen to themselves and connect with that bigger aspect of themselves for yeah. and for different reasons, right? Uh, healing, life purpose, or for what? People what come people for come always. For? Yeah. So people always come for, I say, one or three reasons, right? Health, wealth, or relationships. They have a problem <laughs> in one of those areas, right? And um, generally, the answer is always pretty much the same. How you get there may be different, but the answer is that um, the answer to everything you're looking for already exists within you. What you're seeking already exists in, within you. And I always use this example. I have a friend who our whole life, he's wanted to be a pilot. Now, I have never wanted to be a pilot, <laughs> never wanted to be a pilot. And I tell people, and so that dream existed and he's a pilot to this day, but that dream existed in him because with, inherent within him was the ability to be a pilot, right? Mm -hmm. Not to say that I couldn't be a pilot, but that dream was never mine, right? To be here sharing um, about these thoughts and, and these, these way of living, that was my dream, right? And so inherent within me was the ability to do that. And so whether it's a health issue or a wealth issue, a relationship issue, it really comes down to a self-awareness issue and how to connect with self beyond thought. Well said, and yeah, and you've, uh, you've certainly had an amazing life and career, a jack of all trades, radio host, author, life coach. You were in The Wire. I, I fell out of my chair when I found out that that's one of my <laughs> favorite shows. I think it gets overshadowed a lot by The Sopranos and Breaking Bad, but one of the all-time great shows ever on TV. So. Oh. Thank you. It was a pretty good show. Yeah, it was a really good show. There's no limit to you, whoever you say. You know, you're only limited by you, right? And so often I'll hear people say, you know, well, my mom said this or my teachers said that. But it didn't mean anything until you believed it, until you started repeating the narrative to yourself. That's when it means something. When you repeat the narrative to yourself, when you say, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, I see that could be true. And you're like, okay, well... <laughs> Yeah, the programming of our parents and their trauma that we carry and all that, that's, uh, that just stays with us, right? And we have to sort of untangle it and yeah. find our own voice. 
Right. And we've got, and, and only through forgiveness, you know, and I, I, get, I tell people, I said, when you become a parent, I'm a parent of a 21 year old, 20 year old, 23 year old. I said, oh, you get really easy and forgiving on parents. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's so like, true. Oh, yeah. It's like, yes, mom, you were right the whole time. I feel for you. We were demons when I had my own kids. We were little demons. Bless you, mom. <laughs> so, but only through forgiveness and love, right? So you realize that no one comes, you know, not even our parents, you know, come with any type of real knowledge of the things we're talking about today, right? Or even how to do it, you know, even in our awareness, I talk about myself and my awareness. And I remember I was saying to myself, oh my gosh, and you're enlightened and you did that and you said that and you did that. But that is also a lesson in forgiveness, right? We're constantly having to go back and practice this forgiveness and this gratitude and so much of our um, power, I almost use the word magic, but I know that word is offensive to some people, but it's really magical power. Honestly, it is. Mm -hmm. There is so much of our magical power wrapped up into those two tiny gifts, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of gratitude. And we overlook it. It's like the you know, walking down the street and there's a bag full of money right in front of you and you just keep walking by it and keep walking by. It's like, no, <laughs> stop for a second. Unwrap this. Understand how to give this without any delay. Let it become a part of you constantly. And you will just find that, you know, so much that that you thought was blocked for you from you is readily available. And how would you define gratitude? That's a word that gets used a lot. What is a gratitude that works? What is it? What's a superpower? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Gratitude gets used so much, right? Until it's overused and people are like, oh, what should I be grateful? I ain't got nothing to be grateful for. <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I, um, I tell people that gratitude is more than a word, but you start where you have to. But I do a practice called active gratitude. I do it every day. I teach my clients to do it. So no matter what you come for, you're going to adopt this and we're going to work on it until you get it. It's called active gratitude. And it's the word active is really what it means. You get actively engaged your entire body from the soles of your feet to the crown of your head. You get excited, right? It's a feeling, right? It's a feeling of being super excited. You can ma imagine this for the ice cold glass of water on a hot summer day, right? <laughs> but super, not just like, oh yeah, it's good. No, it's like, oh my goodness, right? <laughs> you get yourself into that state of gratitude about the smallest things. So this is where I feel, I got to tell this story. I woke up one day in my life, 2015. I wish I could forget it, but I can't. And I woke up and I was really, really down. I'd lost my job. My marriage of 20 years was breaking up. And um, and I got diagnosed with uh, autoimmune disease. So this mm -hmm. particular day, I woke up and I was struggling, trying to you know get myself out the bed and doing my practice, getting ready to write down my, I grabbed my little index card and Got ready to write down three things that I was grateful for that happened yesterday. And just tears just welled up in my eyes. I was like, I can't think of anything that I'm grateful for. So then right then as I got, I'm not getting out of this bed till I could think of something. And I wrote on that card that I am actively grateful for being able to blink my eyes without assistance. And I got so excited. And I'm like, smiling and you know i'm like oh my goodness and it worked it just lifted me up from this you know uh 
the blues, I would say chronic blues in that moment, it lifted me up. My body felt like, oh gosh, I can get out this bed. I didn't feel a hundred percent better, but I felt a lot better, a lot better. And I was committed that I wasn't getting out that bed until I could write down <laughs> on that gratitude card, you know, actively what I was grateful for. And usually what I teach people is that you want to use three things from yesterday that you're grateful for because our mind loves to drag us to the past, mm-hmm. right? To talk about all the stuff that we did wrong yesterday, missed opportunities, you're such a loser, you know, people are oh, so yeah. horrible to you. But I said, yeah, three things from yesterday that you were grateful for, right? Not the day before, just yesterday. And then on the flip side of that card, you write three things that you're grateful for for today intentionally that have not happened yet because you just opened your eyes. You're not out the bed, but you're grateful for these three things that have not happened yet. So that's how you throw your mind to the future. So when it wants to dwell on the future and get all anxious, you say, no, 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 no. We got three things and these three things make us really excited. And you get this energy, right? Because energy attracts energy, right? So if you decide that you're a person that is grateful, actively grateful, you get, you could feel it throughout your body. You're creating this energy field around you. Guess what happens? You become like a magnet. The universe sends you more stuff to be grateful for. It happens in reverse, too. If you're a worrier and you say, I worry about everything, don't worry. The universe is going to send you some more stuff to worry about, right? So we want to use that power of gratitude. And that's the best way and most effective way I've found to utilize it is to use it through our emotions. Because most of us can connect to our emotions easily. And it must... uh... Or don't you think it's amazing? I, I am with you uh, about the power of the mind. Uh, it's, a, it's a limitless nuclear reactor or, you know, as a metaphor, but it's also a labyrinth of some crazy thing. That's why I call this podcast Finding Hermes because he's the Greeks. He was the god of the mind, but he was also the trickster god and our mind plays tricks. Do you ever look at your mind and say, what an incredible invention that we have to navigate it's uh it's a double-edged sword sometimes don't you think <laughs> it really is and if you've ever been try- just aware and start watching your thoughts you're like are you even thinking about <laughs> you know you just if you were really any of us just just to sit for five minutes and just watch your thoughts you're like are you okay are you serious? <laughs> what are you thinking about? And so that's incredible to know that our mind can do that. But on the flip side, did you know that a restless mind is just looking for a place to land? Right. Mm. And so go back to being a pilot. You are the pilot. You can say, hey, this is where we're going to settle. This is where we're going to be. And every time it gets ready to, to you know, go off on another path, you say, hey, really gently, really lovingly, you know. We're over here. This is where we're going to be. Doesn't it feel good over here? And your mind's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels good. It feels good. <laughs> but it can't stay there, right? Because it's, yeah, it's, it's not very disciplined yet, right? So every time it wanders a little bit more and it goes down some, if anybody's mind's like mine, it goes down some dark alleyways. You're like, woo, what are you doing down there? <laughs> right? And you just have to go gently and say, okay, you know, all right, I found you. Come on back over here. The sunshine over here. You like the sunshine, right? You really have, you know, I'm making light of it, but it really, really works. And it's really this easy. It's just we don't do it because no one's talked to us about doing it. No one's told us how easy this is. And that we, the I amness, 
are the ruler of the mind. It's not the opposite. Mm -hmm. The mind is not ruling us. It's a rogue hammer, right? Trying to screw on a light bulb with a hammer. The mind is not the ruler. It's a tool. We can use it when we need to use it. We can turn it off when we don't need to turn it off. It needs to do some things on autopilot, like make us blink, right? But other things, it's like, wait a second. I'm not giving you permission to go down that alleyway. Come back over here. <laughs> yeah, as they say, the mind's a, a great ser servant, but a terrible master. And I mean, that's his job, right? To create, to solve problems. If it doesn't have a problem, it'll you'll find a problem like you know you're walking yes. by at work and you see somebody they don't say hello and you're like am i gonna get fired or you're laying in bed and you're like oh are they cheating on me or where's my birth certificate and you know it's doing what it's supposed to be doing but we just can't control it or we need to learn to understand what it's doing right and to watch it sometimes it's, you know you can watch it with amazement and wonder it's like oh wow is that what you do all day? No wonder I'm exhausted at the end of the day. You mean to tell me that you do this all day long, right? And most of those thoughts, I used to have statistics on this at the, at the ready, but they're in the back of my head somewhere. But most of those thoughts are repetitive and negative, mm. right? So we want to, and that's what uh, gratitude does too. It takes our, it lifts the level of our thoughts. When we focus on gratitude, it lifts the level of our thoughts. So that way, when the mind starts doing that little run around in circles, you're sort of training it. You can run around a circle, but this is the little circle you can run around in. Wasn't the ice cream good last night? Oh, wasn't, didn't the grass <laughs> look nice? Isn't your neighbor hot and hanging? You know, that's what your mind can do. Those things like, you can't go down here and think I'm getting fired. Or my husband's cheating. You know, we're not going to have those thoughts. No, did I leave the oven on? Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, we're not. What's that mole? Is that skin? Oh my God! Yes, I've got cancer. That's it. I'm I'm going to be dead tomorrow. Yeah, that's that's right. yeah, that's a normal. So we want to start retraining the mind, and we and it can be trained. It wants to be trained. It wants that from us. So we have to do that. We have to be willing to sit with it and say, "Okay, here I am." I see you. And do you feel as both a, a, a physician and a metaphysician, if you would, do you think that science is getting better at understanding the power of the mind? It's no longer woo-woo or new age. I mean, I don't know if you read The, the Myth of N Normal by Dr. Gabor Mate, a giant book where he talks about how the mind can literally heal the body. Are you seeing, are we better at this connection of mind-body today in 2023? I would say, and I've been practicing, practicing, had my doctorate degree in pharmacy for over 30 years. And I can mm -hmm. say that this time period right now, for me, has been the most um, where I've seen there's been incorporated in, you know, this mindfulness and, and meditation and all of this stuff, which uh, practitioners are saying, yes, mm -hmm. this helps this is an aid and it really is. And eventually, and maybe not in our lifetime, but eventually people will start seeing this as the forefront. This is what you do first. You know, this is a part of your healthy programming for your day is to go into the stillness, right? But yeah, I, I see it being incorporated in mainstream healthcare all of the time now. Oh, good to see. Good to see. Yeah. Uh, another uh, one of a thing that you advocate or help others with, uh, Drayvon, is the idea of stress. I guess, again, we're talking about words that get thrown around, 
stress gets thrown around, you know, the movie's stressing me out or what exactly is stressed or what do you tell your clients? What is really stress? Yeah. So stress can be created in three ways by, by your body, right? By your environment. And then mostly, mostly what my experience is by your thoughts, right? We've been talking about that. How often have we said, we just mentioned that, have we angst over something that has not yet happened, but we've made, we've, we've created a whole movie, you know, with a sequel (laughs) about, (laughs) you know, this particular event, right? So a lot of stress happens that way. And it's your body's reaction to anything that requires an adjustment, so your body says, I'm going to have to do something different because here's, here's what we need to know. The ego likes repetition. It does not like surprises. Remember, it's a two-year-old pretty much, right? Has a So it does not like surprises. It likes routines. It likes repetition. So when something comes and it disturbs that, we, we respond with stress, right? We respond with, um, and we've taught our bodies to do this with our thoughts, and our, you know, all the time. So that's what, really what stress is. However, it's show, it, there, we, I used to, when I used to have direct patient care and people would come in, they'd be on an antidepressant or anti-anxiety. And part of the counseling process would be, well, I want you to look at controlling your stress. And every time I would say that, I would have a body reaction. Like it would just make me feel tense saying that to you. (laughs) So I was like, so the truth of the matter is that stress exists. There are going to be things that you're going to have to respond to. Some of those things may be preventable. A lot of those things may not be preventable. A lot of that stress may be in our minds, but until you learn to think differently, that's going to be something that's there. So why don't we talk about what to do with that stress. And that made me feel better as a practitioner to say, okay, stress shows up. How can we utilize that? First, you got to be aware that it's there. A lot of people aren't aware that stress is even there. It's like a computer virus, right? Right. And working in the background until it shuts your system down and now you're zapping out or you're zoned out or whatever, you, you know? So if you're doing regular checks, body scans, right? You're checking in with your body and saying, do I feel tension anywhere? What's that all about? Okay. And you're just sitting there and you're listening. You're not forcing responses. And, you know, I teach that with clients, you know, just doing a body scan, just checking in with your body. It's your body. Would you drive your car for miles and miles and miles without checking to see if you need an oil change or tires rotated? Check in with your body. You drive that vehicle all day, seven days a week. It never gets any rest. So check in with it. Right? And then when you find an area that's stressful, don't go straight to trying to resolve it. Mm. Just watch it for a few minutes. Say, oh, yeah, really? Ask questions. Why does that bother you? Oh, really? What do you think is going to happen? Really? Why that? Is there something else that could happen? Start to become curious. right? Because now we're using stress. And this is where I call this is the alchemy of everything, which really fascinates me. Now we're using stress to become self-aware, right? And that's how we become great listeners, right? We get curious, we become self-aware, and we discover parts of ourselves that we may have never discovered if we didn't have that stress. We, ne- we may never been able to link this thought to some trauma that happened in our childhood, right? So, oh, wow, 
So every time that happens, I feel like this is going to happen. Well, let me unpack that. Maybe I'll talk to somebody about that. Or maybe, you know, I, I strongly believe in, you know, having a coach in your life. You know, I always tell people, I don't care how successful you are. You look at the most successful basketball players. LeBron James wins all these championships. He never comes out, or at least he has, and says, you know what? I'm no, I'm no longer going to need a coach. <laughs> I've won all these championships. I got it, right? We always need somebody who can look at it differently for us, can help us to look at it differently, change our perspective, or help us change our perspective. So it doesn't have to be a formal coach. It could be a clergy person. It could be a really good friend or family member, somebody you can talk to and be feel free to express yourself without judgment. So that's how I believe you can use stress and you can really use it to become self-aware. And self-awareness is probably the key to everything. When you can really understand why this is a trigger, right? And then unpack, oh, it's a trigger because of this. And then look and say, oh, it's like a, it's like a shadow. Right. When you turn the light on, you're like, oh, it was that small thing there. Right? <laughs> like I've been over that. Right. So stress, we can use, we can utilize and we can utilize everything that shows up in our life. Absolutely. No, well said. And I agree. I mean, even beyond LeBron James, I mean, it's a fact most all pretty much, I would say all successful CEOs, I don't care if you're Elon Musk or the head of the pharmaceutical company, they probably have three, they have three life coaches, you know, one for stress, one for meditation, one for spirituality, because they know they're going to explode unless they find and that's part of their success. Like you're saying, uh, the other it's thing is, yeah. Yeah, and the other thing you said makes sense. The ego doesn't like surprises. And uh, along with stress, that's fine. It's an evolutionary thing, right? We don't want to be surprised by the saber-toothed tiger behind the bush. So our ego is always, and stress helps us survive. You know, We know when to run when the saber-toothed tiger comes, and it's stressful. So these are good things. But again, if you leave these things on autopilot, they will like you said, drive you crazy, kill you, stress your body. So It will absolutely destroy you. And so that's why you, you got to get a hold on it and you got to do those. I Finding out something that I said, you know, we do these uh, exams early, find out these things early because prevention is really where it's at. It's the same thing with stress. When you can really in the beginning and say, oh, I feel a little tension in my shoulders. Mm. Right? And don't get alarmed about it. Become curious. Well, what happened? And it's can be subtle stuff, you know, um, the sound of somebody, the pitch of somebody's voice. It's like, oh, you know, then what, what they say is just the pitch of their voice. And then it gives you a moment to say, okay, that pitch, why? So that way, now when you hear it, you don't let that stress lay in the body and start building, gathering dust and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You realize, oh, it's just a pitch. No, it's okay. <laughs> We're okay. You can self-soothe faster. So important. Yeah, another thing I love about what you're saying, Drayvon, is that, and I watch some of your interviews on uh, CBS and Fox, and I agree in that 100% that's the idea of leaning into things. And I've learned this from Jungian therapy, the Sedona method, Tonglen Buddhist meditation. They all teach when you have a discomfort or a pain, 
we're taught run away or suppress it or erase it, but they teach, no, lean into it, bring it out to the light, feel it, make it your friend, communicate with it. That's what you agree with, right? Absolutely. And I hope every listener and viewer gets that, right? No resistance, whatever that is, we lean into that, right? We lean, turn that, I call it the light of awareness. We turn that on. And sometimes it is, a, you know, we, we want to shriek back and it gets bigger. And it's really just this little crumb in the corner that's, you know, <laughs> looks like a big monster because the lights are out and it's casting a big shadow. And one of the quickest ways that I know to lean into things, I tell people, if you're driving down the highway and you look to the left or right and you see this crazy woman talking to herself in the car, it's probably me. Because <laughs> what I do is that when something comes and, you know, whatever it is and it threatens my sense of peace. It makes me feel fearful or makes me feel small. Or I, I, I said, Oh, really? I said, so I'm feeling fearful because I made a mistake and I lost my temper and I don't want to present myself with that. And then I start thinking, well, what are people going to think about you? Right. Hmm. Oh, well, they think that you're human. That's good. Cause you are right. <laughs> right. Will will this be an exercise? You know, are you going to be able to forgive yourself? And that's really where it's at, right? You know, you say, okay, can you forgive yourself for that? Well, and then you start talking to yourself. Well, I can't forgive myself unless they forgive me. Really? Hmm. So your happiness you put in the hands of people who you don't even think like you? (laughs) Do you realize how crazy that sounds, right? And you just start talking and talking and talking and talking. And before you know it, Right? You just be gentle and gentle and loving and forgiving. And before you know it, whatever that was starts to lift. Right. And that's because you leaned into it. You didn't put up a barricade, right? And let it start fighting. Now you put a barricade up there. Guess what? You know, the eagle likes challenge. Right? <laughs> so you put a challenge. And say, oh, I can knock that wall down. I can drive you crazy with this thoughts. You'll ruminate over this for months and years. So no, we're not going to do that. We're going to turn the lights on right now. No, makes sense. And another thing probably to uh, keep continuing reminding people, you've mentioned this a couple of times, and is the saying, the body don't lie. Listen to your body. Because I've learned in my late life, uh, I think, well, I'm getting older. There's aches and pains. Now I realize, no, this is trauma. This is me worried about something and not admitting it. And as soon as I figure that out, I'm like, oh, my God, the pain just went away. The body don't lie. It does not. The mind. Oh, this is. I'm so glad that you brought that up. The body does not lie. So if we do these body scans, it really is just taking your attention down to your toes, how they feel, to the soles of your feet. How's that feel? Coming up the ankles. You can stop as many body parts as you want. You can move quickly or slowly. I I recommend slowly because you're worth the travel and and the time. But paying attention to that. What's in the body? What's feeling there? Now, here's the body will not lie. It will not lie. The mind lies all of the time because it is truly trying to protect you. Okay. So it will rationalize things. It'll say, you know, you'll get a true story. I had a client who worked really hard for a promotion, really, really hard, and she got it. She got that promotion. And that's what we came together for. She wanted to improve her her wealth, but during our time together, she discovered some other parts of herself. So when she got offered the promotion, the bigger office, the bigger responsibility, the more money, there was this uh, angst, right? 
she was starting to, you know, she couldn't sleep at night. And now she's not feeling so well. I just, you know, I don't feel well. I just don't feel well. But her mind, when we unpacked this, was rationalized. Look, you got, you got this money coming. You worked hard for this. You deserve this. So her mind was saying, ignore what's happening in your body. Ignore all of those signals. We will take care of you. Just go. You've worked for this. Once she made the decision, it was not an easy decision to say, no, I don't want that promotion. Her symptoms in the body went away and the mind calmed down. It's like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. <laughs> you, you win this round. I'll be back. Right. <laughs> but so really, really getting the practice of listening to your body, asking, you know, you want alignment between the mind and the body. You want to be aligned there, you know, making asking about your mind, like, what could I give up and be okay? Mm-hmm. What would you let me, you know, do and be okay. Could I know she was able to bargain down to something else that was agreeable to her, but that big C-suite, whatever, was not what she wanted. You know, it was what looked good on paper, but her body rejected that. So listen, listen, listen. You're absolutely right. No, that's a wonderful story. And do you see, uh, when it comes to stress, do you see men and women, I'm sorry, men and women processing it differently? Or what is your take? Well, I will say this. I do a coaching group coaching called Leaders in High Heels. Obviously, you can tell by the title. It's a group of women. Right. right? But I do coach men, too. I don't have group sessions with men, but I do do independent coaching with men. And what I will say is that uh, although both genders tend to white knuckle it, right, men tend to resist the idea, at least my clients do, resist the idea that it's stressful and harmful. They view stress more so as uh, a necessary means to a desired end. Mm. And so, and that's fine. You know, they they found another way, right? They took that stress that could be, and and they've said, okay, I'm going to use this to get where I want to go. The trick is here, right? Is not to always be running from the saber to the tiger. (laughs) Right. That's the trick is, OK, so if you use this, you view this, this competition, the stress of this, this misalignment that's got you not sleeping at night. And it's got your mind on overdrive. We know that's not healthy, but you're saying that that's the magic thing that makes you work harder. Let's try to move into alignment. Let's start making some bargains with the mind so we can settle the body down. Right. And that is work. Now, the difference with women is like, you know, I'm not sleeping. I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like it. I don't like feeling this way. So, and we do the same thing. We figure out, okay, where can we bargain? Where we, you know, where can we negotiate? So it's the tactic is the same, but I think they view it differently. Women view it mostly as this is crippling. At least my clients said, this is crippling. I don't like this. A lot of my men are like warriors. I'm like, yes, you don't have to hurt and suffer, right? You know, you don't have to suffer for the prize. That no, suffering is optional. I bet it will feel better if we don't have to suffer. Yes, and for men, it's so important. Again, you lean into it because, again, men are dropping dead younger. Uh, suicide rate. We bottle things up. We don't admit it, and we die a lot younger than women, or break down a lot more than women. So important. Yeah, we safe connect. places. Yeah, men don't have a lot of safe places, right? Because you hear constantly, man up, 
You know, <laughs> they don't have a lot of safe places to just say, look, this worries me. And it's interesting. I had a client um, that I was talking with last week and he said, there's nowhere for him to go. If, you know, he can't tell his wife how stressed he is because she gets scared. And if she gets mm-hmm. scared, it makes him more stressful because she can't stop talking about it. So he can't leave it alone. So it's all bottled up inside because there is no safe places. So we do have to have more safe places for men to have an outlet. I Again, coaching, coaching, coaching. Um, coaching is not therapy. They're not the same, but therapy is also great, you know, but I do think you need to have a coach on your team. Yeah. These days I a hundred percent agree with you. And uh, how do you see this? How do you, how do you see the pandemic changing stress in the psyche of people? What have you seen in what has happened to us? So this. <laughs> The pandemic was my time to say from Charles Dickens, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times I like that. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I can, I, I can tell you what I saw is people having to face themselves. Right. And that's beautiful. It's beautiful. You know, when clients say, I realize from being alone so much that this really is a story that I have perfected and I keep telling it to myself over and over again. And so I am now ready to tell a different story, to learn how to tell a different story, right? I'm now ready to choose a different perspective. I'm now ready to try. I tell people, just try block breathing, you know, the four count breathing and, um, when it was busy times before COVID, nobody could fit it in. I'm like, you're breathing all day long. You can't be consciously breathing in the car. You won't even try it. Ah, I've got so much to think about. But during COVID time, people say, you know, I tried that breathing, inhaling to the count of four, then holding it at the top of the breath, right? Exhaling to the count of four and holding at the bottom of the breath. And just doing that, it's like, oh my gosh, I feel like I've been on vacation. Yeah, just that easy. Just that easy. So I feel like those are some things that people were really able to connect to themselves because of the isolation. At first, it was really hard, but those people who had been introduced to some practices were able to face themselves. So I think things, stress, there was, was there more stress? Yes. You know, our loved ones were, you know, unfortunately getting sick, some passing away. There were jobs that were lost. So there was that stress, but there was also that increased self awareness. Yeah, I think it was a. I agree with you. It's a great opportunity to again really look inward and get a sense of perspective of how society and life and grab onto some opportunities and possibilities. And how do you change your story? That's something people ask. How do I change the story of my life? Or how has Drayvon changed the story of her life? Physician, actor, oh. life coach. Uh, you've been everything. You've been in every it's role. Beautiful. Mother. It's just beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> so if you've ever heard of this author, speaker, Neville Goddard. and um, oh, I love about his meditations. Master. I do his meditations. The waterfall, the coin of heaven. Oh, highly recommended. Yeah. Highly, highly recommended. And so I tell people, it's child's play. Really, it is. You got to learn to love to play. Another person is... Um, Florence Schofield Shin, the, the game of life and how to play it, right? So you've got to learn to play. Let's go back to the playground, right? And the world of imagination, 
This is how you change your story. You become the 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 principal actress, the you know, in your or actor in your own story. And you just start imagining, well, if I was if I was doing what I really wanted to do, what would I do today? Don't judge it. Maybe you would lounge around all day. So you become that person. What does it feel like to get up at 12 in the afternoon and take a leisure bath? And, you know, (laughs) you start rewriting the story. You become that person in your imagination. And what happens is that as you start to do that, you start to just enjoy this playtime with yourself in your own mind. And you're making this fantasy of yourself. What happens in your real world, if you want to call it that, you start to react in that person, in that you start to respond in that person. You, and you catch yourself, you're like, oh, where'd that come from? Well, that's the person that you that you're creating. That's your right. That is your right. I wrote this book, Freedom is Your Birthright. That is your right. You are here to create. But so often we're living in a world that somebody else has created for us and we're trying to squeeze in. They said a round hole, no, round hole, square peg, whatever. We're trying to fit into these roles that others have made. And we haven't taken the time to just sit and imagine. Sit for a moment and, you know, give yourself a moment. It's so refreshing to play like that. And we don't do it because we're so busy. Life is so serious, right? Take that time, give yourself that time and just imagine, have some fun imagination. Now we use our imagination all of the time. We imagine the worst. Like I said, there's a little mole in your hand and you're sitting there and you imagine that it's skin cancer. Right? You imagine yeah, that your yeah. going to have to make it without you. Right? You, imagine, you, imagine, you imagine that your boss got off the elevator. He or she didn't speak to you. This is my last week here. This is it. Right? Yeah, this is it. <laughs> right? We imagine all of the time horror stories, right? We're living in our own horror story. Imagine that, right? So take that imagination and put yourself in paradise. Put yourself in the sports car, whatever it is. I don't care how silly it is. Put yourself there. Stay there. Visit frequently and watch that become the way you respond. You start to see these things that show up in your life. I call it magical power because it is. It really is. That's well said. And yes, uh, for the audience, yeah, definitely check out our book. And as we get to the end, you also work with companies as well, brands and organizations. How do you use your work to help uh, organizations? I mean, we're talking uh, companies are pretty, I don't know, uh, amoral, psychotic, narcissistic. How how do you get them to be more human? (laughs) So here, but people feel that way, but a company is just made up of a group of people. Mm-hmm. who all show up very fearful, right? And they're misaligned, right? Because I, if I believe that the company is out to get me, mm-hmm. right? To get rid of me, to utilize me, to underpay me, whatever it is, right? Then I'm going to show up with these boundaries and these, I'm not, I'm not aligned to the team goal because I feel like you're against me. Mm-hmm. So when we go into when I go into working with corporations, it's the first is to align. Why am I here as an employee? Why are you here as an employer? You know, uh, where, where, what are your values as the employer? What are my values? Now, when I link as an employer, my employee's happiness and see how important that is to my success. I could be selling widgets. It doesn't matter. When I know that 
you've purchased a $500,000 home because you believe in me. You can't do that unless you believe that you, there's something about what I'm doing here at this company. And so my job is to go in there and find that for employees, find that for employers and say, hey, you guys are aligned. You believe in each other. You are, you know, codependent in the best of ways, not in, not in codependent ways, but in the best of ways. And so let's bring that out. Let's, let's align here. And then it creates this synergy that you wouldn't believe. People show up and they're they're excited about showing up to work. They're like, yeah, I believe in this. And, you know, I, I believe so. Much. I want you as the company to be successful because I've hinged my family's future on your success. And the employer says, I want you to be successful as an employee because when you're successful, when you feel valued, you recommit yourself to the success of this company. Together we thrive. No, it makes sense. I think it, I think what you say would work. I don't think it'll work with Washington D.C., but uh, maybe it will. I think there are things that are beyond hope. Yeah, we got to complain about politics. My ego has that's what <laughs> but, we. But do. I always think politicians are just people too, living in their own fearful world that they've created. You know that, and we keep that narrative going, don't we? We have these opposing sides. Isn't that beautiful? That right? we have these opposing sides, and we we love our, you know, um, we love to have these opposing. I'm on this side. I'm on that side. But what if it was just a circle? Mm-hmm. A circle, right? You just have to be standing on the side of the circle, but it's going to move. Right? <laughs> and you realize that we're all in this together. We're all in this together, and at the end of the day, we all want the same thing. We want to go home and know we're going to be safe there. Mm-hmm. We want to get up and know that our family and our and our friends, we're going to be forgiven and we're going to be safe. We're all asking for that in one form. We're, at, we're either asking for it with love or we're asking for it with fear, but we're asking for it. It looks different, but we're still asking for the same thing. Well said indeed. And uh, yes, I'll have it on the show notes. I'll have it scrolling down here. But where can the audience find out more about you? What are some of the links you'd like to share? So my website, um, which is uh, com, you'll find out just about everything there. But you can find me and follow me, hopefully, on social media under drdravonjames.com. If you would love to be part of our uh, Leaders in High Heels um, coaching session. We would love to have you. You will experience quantum leaps in your life. I promise you. So you can find out more about that by visiting my website, drdravonjames.com. And of course, the book Freedom is Your Birthright is available on Amazon. Less than 100 pages. I tell people it's more of a tool. Uh, You could read it in the afternoon, but you will refer to it hopefully frequently. And you can do a discovery call with you, right? If you go to your website. Yep. If you go on my website, you, there's an opportunity to book a discovery call right there. Awesome. Awesome. We'll, we'll check it out. Uh, if you want less stress, if you want less voices in your head, if you want to get along with your body, definitely check out Drayvon's work, More Necessary Than Ever. And uh, thank you very much for coming on Finding Hermes. Really enjoyed it and really appreciate your time and wisdom. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so hopeful that one person, at least one person was helped today. And I believe they were. This is an awesome platform. Bonus. How about a meditation?
Imagine that you're standing in the middle of the floor of a prison cell. Around you are solid concrete walls and a solid steel door. The only window is a small slit on the back wall of your cell, but it's so high up above your head that you can't see out of it unless you grip the ledge and haul yourself up with sheer brute strength. Imagine that you pull yourself up there by your fingertips, actually feeling what it would be like. The muscles in your hand, forearms, and biceps all activated and getting more exhausted by the second. The rough texture of the wall scraping your belly and thighs as you struggle to ascend. The cold steel of the window bars around your hands. When you finally pull yourself up above the ledge, you're nearly blinded by a brilliant light from the outside. It's the light of creation, and it bursts into the window and makes everything disappear. There's only the light, no prison cell, no window, and no you. Nothing exists anymore but infinite light. That's the meditation. Just like the pull-up or chin-up you're imagining yourself doing, one repetition is probably not enough to do much. There aren't any rules as to how many times you should visualize the above, but I think 10 reps is a good start. And when that becomes easy, try working your way up to a hundred times. When you get truly proficient at it, you'll notice a peculiar sensation. As you imagine the light obliterating everything, including you, you'll start to feel as you've been cast back into your body, gently, yet forcefully. You'll also experience a temporary state of being grounded in the present moment, in your physical form, with no stray thoughts whatsoever.